0: Good morning, and welcome this Reformation Sunday to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. I invite you at this time, please, to rise as you are able and face the font. Whether you are a long-term member, a newcomer, or somewhere in between, we are glad to see you here. Just a couple things to share before we begin our service. First, as always, we invite you as a gift to yourself and your neighbor to silence your phones. Second, we continue to follow COVID safety protocols, which means you may commune from your pew using a communable or receive at the front rails. If you choose the latter, the ushers will direct you accordingly. Finally, let us have a moment of silence as we enter this holy space of worship and contemplation. Back in 2020, I started a tradition. Every Reformation Sunday, I get to choose the sermon I enjoyed preaching the most over the previous year. Now, I use the word enjoyed here, but there is more to it than that. Which sermon most effectively conveyed the gospel, the good news of God's victory over sin and death that one sings and tells with gladness, as Martin Luther once put it. As I reviewed each of the sermon titles and graded myself over the past year, one of them jumped out. It was a sermon I preached in May on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and how the music of the Lutheran heritage comforted him after he had been imprisoned by the Nazis. That's it, I said to myself. What better way to celebrate the spirit of Reformation Sunday than a sermon updated and revised about song? We begin our service with a brief order of confession and forgiveness as printed in your worship bulletin. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, the one who fashions us, the one who heals us, the one who reforms us again and again. Let us confess our sin as we seek love's transforming power. Source of all life, we confess that we resist you and have not allowed your grace to set us free. We find ourselves too busy too distracted. We hear your word of love freely given to us, yet we expect others to earn it. We turn the church inward rather than moving it outward. Forgive us. Us. Reform us to be a church powered by love, willing to speak for what is right, act for what is just, and seek the healing of your whole creation. God hears our cry and sends the Spirit to change us and to empower our lives in the world. Your sins are forgiven. God's love is unconditional and we are raised up as God's people who will always be made new in the name of Jesus Christ. Our processional hymn is Thy Strong Word, number 511, Please Face the Altar. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: In peace, in peace, let us pray. FOR PEACE THROUGHOUT THE WORLD, FOR THE UNITY OF ALL, LET US PRAY TO THE LORD. Lord 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 FOR YOUR PEOPLE HERE WHO HAVE COME TO GIVE YOU PRAISE, For the strength to live your word, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Help, save, and defend us, O God.
0: The Lord be with you let us pray merciful God gracious Lord we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age pour out your holiest Holy Spirit on your faithful people keep them steadfast in your word protect and comfort them in times of trial strengthen them in the face of indifference and cynicism, and bestow on the church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated.
2: The first reading is from Jeremiah on this Reformation Sunday. The renewed covenant will not be breakable, but like the old covenant, it will expect the people to live upright lives. To know the Lord means that one will defend the cause of the poor and the needy. The renewed covenant is possible only because the Lord will forgive iniquity and not remember sin. Our hope lies in a God who forgets. A reading from the book of Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors and when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest Says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Word of God, word of life. The second reading from Romans chapter three. Paul's words stand at the heart of the preaching of Martin Luther and other Reformation leaders. No human beings make themselves right with God through works of the law. We are brought into a right relationship with God through the divine activity centered in Christ's death. This act is a gift of grace that liberates us from sin and empowers our faith in Jesus Christ. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speak to those who are under the, the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sights by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin, a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement of his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus then what becomes a boasting it is excluded by what law by that of works no by the law of faith for we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law word of god word of life Thanks, god. please rise rise for the reading of the gospel
0: Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free. Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace this Reformation Sunday from God the Father and God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Dear Eberhard, all I want to do today is to send you a short greeting. I expect you are often with us here in your thoughts and are always glad of any sign of life, even if the theological conversation stops for a moment. These theological thoughts are, in fact, always occupying my mind. But there are times when I am just content to live the life of faith without worrying about its problems. At those times, I simply take pleasure in the day's readings from Scripture, in particular those of yesterday and today, And I'm always glad to go back to Paul Gerhardt's beautiful hymns. These words come to us from a Nazi prison cell in July of 1944. They were written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer to his closest friend a day after the execution of the Valkyrie Plot. The the Valkyrie plot was a failed attempt to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Bonhoeffer was involved in helping to set it up. When the plot failed, the Nazis quickly discovered his role. He was sent to a concentration camp, and in less than a year, he was executed just days before American forces would liberate the camp's Prisoners. It's a story, really, of deep tragedy, but also a triumph. Not a triumph of the will, as the Nazis were saying, but a triumph of faith. According to an eyewitness, Bonhoeffer died after saying these words, This is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. Most of us at Queen Anne Lutheran have heard of Bonhoeffer. He is our patron saint of civil disobedience, a German Lutheran pastor and theologian who defied the Nazi regime almost from the beginning. He wrote several modern Christian classics, including Life Together, as well as The Cost of Discipleship. He taught at a seminary for the Confessing Church, which also opposed the Nazis, and he participated in Operation Seven, a successful attempt to smuggle not seven, but ultimately 14 Jews into Switzerland using false papers in August and September of 1942. What we may not know is the personal dimension of Bonhoeffer's faith his struggle with doubt, his correspondence with Mahatma Gandhi, and how he agonized as a Christian pacifist over his involvement in the plot to kill Adolf Hitler. His options, indeed, were grim. Either he take part in the attempt to take the life of another human being, however horrible that person was, or he become complicit for doing nothing as the Nazis slaughtered his Jewish brethren. There is, he confessed in one of his writings, no way out without guilt. No way out without guilt. What you also may not know about Bonhoeffer is how much the hymns of our Lutheran heritage comforted him especially in the last year or so of his life. As you heard or read a moment ago, he especially liked the beautiful hymns of Paul Gerhardt. Gerhardt's focus was on salvation by grace, an emphasis perfectly in keeping with his identity as a Lutheran pastor and theologian. By the end of his life in 1676, he had get this, written 123 hymns, nine of which appear in the red hymnal we use for worship. He did all of that on top of his work as a pastor. Of course, to Bonhoeffer, Gerhardt's hymns inspired more than artistic appreciation. They also provided immense reassurance and strength to Bonhoeffer in the midst of circumstances most of us could probably never even imagine. Every hour or so since yesterday, Bonhoeffer writes in 1943, I've been repeating to my own comfort Paul Gerhardt's Pentecost hymn with the lovely lines, Thou art a spirit of joy and grant us joyfulness and strength. And besides that the words if you faint in the day of adversity your strength is small that's Proverbs 24 and God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power and love and self-control that's 2nd Timothy 1 What a resource we learn Not only can passages from scripture convey the gospel or what Martin Luther calls the encouraging news of God's radical mercy, God's radical strength, God's radical grace, along with the message that God will never leave us. The hymns of our tradition do that too. Yet how often do we search the height and depth of these hymns for comfort. How often do we mind them, as Bonhoeffer did, for consolation and reassurance? How frequently do we pay attention to the lyrics when we sing them? Not often, most of us, myself included, might confess, our minds wander. Not only sometimes during the sermon, Even the good ones, like I preach. But when we sing, the question here is, why? Is it because the melody moves us to such an extent that we ignore the text? Or have the hymns become so familiar to us that, like the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles Creed, we no longer ponder words but simply take them for granted? Or is it because those of you like me who identify as musically challenged spend so much time trying to figure out the the melody in some cases that the language of the hymn escapes us entirely? I don't know. As my predecessor, Pastor Wayman, put it, it's a holy mystery. But my point here is simple. Words matter. Words matter matter. Think about how affirming it can be to hear, I love you, or how devastating it can be to hear, you disgust me, or I hate you. Bonhoeffer knew the power of words. The question is, do we? Let me pause here now to explain what came next when I originally preached this sermon back in May. It was on the same day as the hymn festival that was held here to honor Virginia Stamey's late mother, Janice. Janice served for many years as the organist at Trinity Lutheran Church in Linwood. And so with her in mind, I offered a few examples of how our hymns that day conveyed the gospel. Today, in honor of Luther's conviction that music plays an integral role in the proclamation of the gospel, I would like to do the same thing. Let's begin then with the first hymn by Martin Franzmann. Like Luther, Franzmann grasps the power of the living word the word that has existed from the beginning, the word that spoke creation into being, the word, as Franzman puts it, that broke through the darkness dark as night and deep as death with the light of God's salvation. We hear the same thing in our sending hymn. Perhaps you've heard of it. A mighty fortress is our God, the so-called Lutheran fight song. Luther wrote this hymn, possibly during an outbreak of the plague in 1527, with the exception of the last stanza, which I added. I want you to notice here two things. First, like Franzmann, Luther refers to the power of God's speech and how, according to the third stanza, one little word from God subdues Satan, who represents and personifies death. The last stanza I added with Bonhoeffer in mind, I wanted to clarify that it's suffering love, or rather the suffering love of God that conquers sin and death, not as some people might guess, sheer force or brute strength. God's love is invisible, is invincible. It's the love of God that makes God all powerful and almighty. For not even death, as we read in Romans, can separate us from his love in and through Christ Jesus. Love holds on. Nobody, perhaps with the exception of Saint Paul, understood that better than Martin Luther.
1: Luther refers to
0: the power of God's word in our hymn of the day. Once again, it means something different than God's ability to do whatever God wants. Here you might think to yourself, but pastor, doesn't the Bible say that with God all things are possible? Can't God do anything? My answer to that question is look at the text in context. Jesus there is talking about salvation. He's not talking about God willy-nilly exhibiting brute force or intervening with his almighty power. It's this power, rather, that strengthens us through the word. It's this power that sustains us as we see in stanza three. O comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth, support us in our final strife, and lead us out of death to life. Now sit with that for a moment. O comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. What if these words are meant for you this morning personally to hear right now? What if they are God's way of speaking to you in this moment? God's way of throwing you a life preserver, which you can cling to when you experience loss or when you confront death, as we all must do yourself. As Psalm 23 confirms, God has not and will not abandon you. God will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death and darkness To new life. God will support you in your final strife and lead you out of death to life. That is the promise we sing, as Luther says, and tell with gladness. Now over the week I taught at the Lutheran Seminary in Berkeley and many of my students were uh, members of black churches and I would get an amen. I would get yes professor. And here I ask the same from you. God will lead you through the valley of the darkness of death to new life. That is the promise we sing and tell with gladness. Dear friends in Christ, that's impressive. Some of you read the Bible for devotional purposes, for words of encouraging news. You are absolutely right to do that. Maybe you keep it on your nightstand, opening it when you can't sleep. Maybe you find hope, as I have, by turning to Psalm 30, verse 5, which says, weeping may linger through the night, but joy comes in the morning. But hope these days is in short supply. Last spring, when I taught at SPU, I asked my students about their hope for the future. As I did, I found myself wondering if they had Bibles on their nightstands. Why? Because the majority of responses I received expressed utter hopelessness with regard to the future. Many of them felt overwhelmed and scared. And honestly, I feel that way sometimes, too. But then I remembered Bonhoeffer, and how he continued in the face of unbelievable adversity. What gave him strength? Sure, he read his Bible frequently, poring over it for words of consolation and encouragement, promises that God would never leave him no matter how dire the circumstance. Yet Bonhoeffer had another source of reassurance and strength. I imagine next to his bed in the cold winter cell of a Nazi prison there stood a wobbly nightstand upon which he had not only a Bible, but a small hymnal. In its pages he found the beautiful hymns of Paul Gerhardt, hymns that gave him strength to face the darkness. Perhaps we should have hymnals on our nightstands too or at least a copy of a song, or even just a stanza we sang in worship that moved us and gave us strength. O comforter, for example, of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth, support us in our final strife, and lead us out of death to life. Those words from the hymn are spoken to each of you. Can you imagine letting the gospel we sing this morning and every Sunday morning give you hope throughout the week? Can you imagine taking one verse or a whole hymn, and please don't rip it out of the hymnal, but taking one verse or a whole hymn, copying it and putting it on your nightstand, such that when you wake up or can't sleep, you go to the Word, not only in Scripture, but also in and through our hymns? Can you imagine the assurance of the gospel spoken in our readings, yes, but sung too? This, I believe, is how God speaks to each one of you. If only you ponder for yourself the words, together we sing. Dear Eberhard, all I want to do today is to send you a short greeting. I expect you are often with us here in your thoughts and are always glad of any sign of life, even in the theological converse, Even if the theological conversation stops for a moment. These theological thoughts are, in fact, always occupying my mind. But there are times when I am just content to live the life of faith without worrying about its problems. At those times, I simply take pleasure in the day's readings from Scripture, in particular those of yesterday and today, and I'm always glad to go back to Paul Gerhardt's beautiful hymns. Your friend, Dietrich. Amen. I invite you to remain standing as you are able, as we confess the words of our faith in the Nicene Creed. I believe in God, my dear, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten. For the prayers of the church, we invite you to be seated or to kneel, whichever your preference.
2: In gratitude and humility, let us join together in prayer on behalf of all God's creation. Gracious God, keep your church steadfast in your word. Deepen our faith and increase our love for others in Jesus' name. Lord, in your mercy. Come to the aid of the poor, especially those suffering food and water shortages or loss of homes due to natural disasters. Help us conserve the earth's resources and inspire us to curb. Unnecessary waste. Lord, in your mercy. Guide leaders of all nations, Almighty God. Heal divisions, build trust and collaboration. Bring neighborhoods, cities, and countries together to work for the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Save those who struggle with hunger, homelessness, or addiction. Strengthen the overworked and give hope to those who do not have enough work. Console those who are burdened by illness or grief. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. For whom or what else do the people of God pray? Hear our prayer.
0: God of grace and mercy, you accompany us in the good and in the bad. We pray for each member and person gathered here this morning that you be with them in their joys as well as in their struggles and sorrows. We pray especially for Candy as she awaits heart surgery for the family of Todd upon the death of his father, for Christian, Shana, for Megan, for Kirsten, for Kathleen, for the Porters, for Finley, for Kirsty, for Michael, for the Vega family, for Elena, the Unseths, Jessica and her parents, John's friend, for Christine, David, Jim, Awatosh Moolugeta, we pray for Ruth, Carol, Mary, Hilde, Denny, Barb, Lee, Jean, Ben, Richard, and Jan. Lord, in your mercy.
2: Hear our prayer. Holy God, we give thanks for those who have witnessed to your gracious presence, especially Martin Luther and all who strive to reform and renew the Church. Help us to learn from them and give us their spirit of courage in the face of the unknown. Lord, in your mercy. With grateful hearts, we commend our spoken and silent prayers to you, O God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
0: Please rise as you are able for the great Thanksgiving.
1: It is our duty and delight that we should everywhere and always offer thanks and praise to you, O God, through Jesus Christ, who calls us to follow his way of humble service and love. And so with the church on earth, all creation and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
0: Lord remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven give us In this place of grace, all are welcome to the table of grace. If you wish to receive communion from your pew, I will direct you in a moment. Uh, You'll need your communable. If on the other hand, you wish to come forward and receive at the railings, please do so. If you would like to receive a blessing in place of the Eucharist, simply cross your arms as I do here. Christ is among us. Receive. The bread of life. For those receiving in your pews, this is his body broken for you. This is his blood shed for you. Please rise as you are able for our post-communion prayer. God of the abundant table, you have refreshed our hearts in this meal with bread for the journey. Give us your grace on the road ahead that we might serve our neighbors with joy for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I invite you to be seated once more for announcements. First, once again, a warm welcome to all of you here uh, at Queen Anne Lutheran Church on Reformation Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays of the year, perhaps yours too. The colors are beautiful. Thank you to our altar guild for um, putting this together. The music was beautiful. Thank you to the volunteers in our choir and our cantor for... for. Uh, singing the word of God. And thank you to our assisting ministers, our ushers and everyone else uh, who helps put on the service. Without you, this wouldn't be. So we are quite, quite grateful. If you are visiting today or new to the congregation, we invite you to fill out a connect card in the pew in front of you. We also, as you know, have prayer cards. So please feel free to share one of those if you wish. Reformation Sunday coffee. Now I have to say, this was really a lot of fun. It was between services. I had the best chocolate chip cookies I've had in a long time, thanks to Amy and the choir. And I also had the strongest coffee I think I've ever had at Queen Anne Lutheran, thanks to Susan Evans and Mark Dibble. (laughs) I needed that, so I really appreciate it. Uh, We will uh, as well have coffee after today's worship, so we invite you, of course, to uh, be present with us uh, in fellowship. Next, for almost 40 years, Queen Anne Lutheran has served at the community lunch on Capitol Hill. I've done it once or twice, my experience there was overwhelmingly positive each time. I invite you to do the same. If you have a free couple of hours on any of the five Tuesdays in November, please sign up. You can do so uh, in the Narthex, there's a sign up sheet on the railing. Next. week as well. We have a, another opportunity for service. This one is the in-gathering, which takes place at our Redeemers Lutheran Church in Ballard on the corner of 24th Avenue Northwest from 8 to 3 on Friday and from 4, I'm sorry, 8 to noon on Saturday, November 5th. If you can be present and assist with uh, either of those days, please, please uh, speak with Rich Mathis and uh, he'll find space for you. Next Sunday, finally, I wanted to emphasize how lucky we are to have Dr. Jeff Robbins, author of the book, Doing Theology in a Post-Trump Era, uh, speak on Christian nationalism as zombie apocalypse. Over the, uh, uh, the course of suggestions we received last June for forums, one that came up was the threat of theocracy, and the threat of Christian nationalism. So we have Dr. Robbins joining us via Zoom. He will speak on uh, this topic, and uh, I'm positive, having known him for a long time and heard him, uh, it'll be a fantastic presentation. We do this on the eve of the election, as we are all mindful of the growing threats to our democracy, and all uh, prayerful for peace instead of violence as once again we have seen this weekend uh, in the uh, uh, um, break-in in in Nancy Pelosi's home. So please join us if you can, that's nine to 10 next Sunday uh, in the conference room um, for a hopefully thought-provoking and stimulating conversation. Are there any other announcements for the good of the congregation? Then let me conclude with this. I had an idea, which is always dangerous. But as I finished today's sermon, I started thinking, wouldn't it be great if as a congregation, we assembled a tiny book of our favorite hymns as a devotional that we could put on the nightstand next to us? If that's something that intrigues you or interests you, talk with me after the service. I think it might be a nice way uh, to bring our voices together uh, and receive that word of comfort that comes to us, not only in the text, but also in the song. Please rise now as you are able for our closing blessing.
1: The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace.
0: Our recessional hymn is A Mighty Fortress. We invite you to use the printed copy in your bulletin as opposed to the hymnal. Sing boldly.